Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined, as always, by the one and only Eric Henry of Horns247.com. And we come to you. With uh, with great excitement and anticipation because Longhorn Nation, you're in the college football playoff for the first time. Um, Eric, last time we, we were together, we were on the field at AT&T Stadium. Texas had just demolished Oklahoma State 49 to 21. Quinn Ewers lit up Oklahoma State. Anthony Hill was wrecking people all over the field. Devondre Sweat was catching touchdowns and doing Heisman poses. Jonathan Brooks was on the field for the last play and what was an utter celebration um, of confetti. And everyone was ecstatic in AT&T Stadium at that point because the Oklahoma State fans had left, except for Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark who uh, couldn't get a word in because he was being drowned out by Longhorns fans booing. But the matchups are out. Texas got in. Michigan, number one. Washington, number two. Texas, number three. And Alabama, number four. This crazy committee who we couldn't read all the way up to the final rankings release honored Texas's win over Alabama and dumped 13 and 0 ACC champion Florida State who unfortunately set football back about 100 years in that ACC championship game sorry Seminoles fans Eric your thoughts First off, Chip, the last time we were together, I know it's been a whirlwind. We actually sat and watched the college football playoff ranking together. Oh yeah. Some of our closest friends. It's all good. It's well, all good. On the flagship podcast. On, on, on the flagship podcast, correct. Yeah. For, yeah. To, to bring the audience in here, we had a quick turnaround. Got that email late Saturday evening that there would be a watch party. Uh, of course, separate watch party for media and then player, avail- player and coach availability at the 40 Acres. And Chip Brown and I were sitting right next to each other when we watched and come down one by one by one and it was that third one that chip as chip mentioned that's all texas land and we heard the excitement um oh man did we hundred dudes just yelling at the top of their lungs if there was any chance or any shot that they were going to try to keep that down for the fact that the media was there that went out the window i mean just sheer jubilation coming from the players i mean we heard it you know beforehand during the moment and afterwards. And Chip, I will just give you my initial thoughts. I, my, my just gut visceral reaction was a bit surprised at three because I think I knew at that point that Florida State wasn't in. And that honestly was the, the, the shock. Not that Texas in my mind, hadn't done enough. And I know we'll get to our take it or leave it, in which, of course, regular listeners of this podcast will probably say, Eric, well, what are you saying Texas didn't do enough? You, you said that they wouldn't make the CFP. Yeah, I, I honestly felt that Texas, if everything held, might be on the outside looking in. But as we will talk about, everything did not hold. <laughs> Alabama 
helps the Longhorns by knocking off Georgia. I did not see that coming. And that played the major factor. Chip, you probably say that was the deciding factor in what got the Longhorns in the college football playoffs. So yeah, my initial reaction, Chip, was, was surprised. I think I knew more than anything else that if Texas was three, we have precedent for a one-loss SEC champion uh, being in the college football playoff, and you knew that that was Alabama. So I guess my shock was, wow, they're going to leave a 13-0 and Power Five Conference champion out of the college football playoff. And I'm not here to debate the validity of whether Florida State should or shouldn't have been in. That's for our friends over there, you know, at Knowles 24-7, right? But it just in terms of sheer surprise and shock, yeah, I mean, that one did catch me off guard. And Chip, like you said, you know, heartbreaking for the kids down there in tally, but those are the breaks. There's no doubt in my mind, Chip Brown, and I asked – Quinn Ewers, I asked Jalen Ford and asked Steve Sarkeesian the same question. I said, hey, now that you're in, I know you guys talk about being singularly focused. And I, I shouldn't say talk about it. I, I believe, genuinely believe that those guys are singularly focused on each opponent each week. But I asked them, I said, hey, was there any talk or even any thought, maybe not necessarily talk, just thought in your mind of we need to put some teams away, chip in impressive fashion. and when you were said, you know, hey, while we didn't talk about it, we did know in the back of our heads that, you know, if we go out and beat some teams pretty decidedly, most notably Texas Tech and then, of course, Oklahoma State, that it's going to make it hard on the committee to leave us out. And again, we'll talk about and take it or leave it. This team undoubtedly chip. And I think, you know, in future years, Steve Sarkeesian said it in, in a, a, his presser, I believe it was Monday during the week when asked, you know, hey, do you have any thoughts or about the fact that it'll be a 12-team playoff? And he said, yeah, I, I don't really think about it because guess what? Once you get to that point, it'll be teams, you know, 13, 14, and 15, and so forth, so on and so forth, who are making the case. Well, why not us, right? Um, undoubtedly agree there. I mean, th that that will be the case. But yeah, I, I, I do think that there was a bit of, we need to make it hard on the committee to leave us out and the criterias are so fabulous. You know what? There you go. Better word, better word than I was going to use, Chip, in terms of what makes a college football team worthy of the college football playoff. That just playing your best football when it matters, that recency bias, I do think, Chip, is the trump card. I think. That is the thing that sticks in people's minds. And had Texas had a, another squeaker of a win against Texas Tech, or even a squeaker of a win against Oklahoma State, or even one of those games, Chip, where they got to a big lead and then they had to kind of fend them off at the end, I don't feel as confident that that would have been enough to get the job done. Going out there and stopping the nation's leading rusher and Ali Gordon, who I won't repeat exactly what he said on this podcast because to bring you behind the curtain for the purposes of editing, I got to label this a clean podcast. But y'all know what he said. He said, forget Texas. With another word that begins with F. F Texas. <laughs> and to go out there and get stopped to where he's throwing a tantrum. What, three drives into the game that things aren't looking the way he is? I mean, Chip... I know you took a swig of your energy drink. Uh, I don't know if you're a Red Bull or Monster guy, but maybe Ollie Gordon got too gassed up on his choice of energy drink before the game and, and couldn't contain the emotions. Um, I think those things, Chip, to bring it home and send it back to you, I think those things did make a difference, and, and they are the reason why, as you said, you take a look at the last performances, Florida State squeaking by, and we have no doubts that that may have looked different with Jordan Travis, but that was their last presentation, the last showing to the committee. And Texas's last showing was a complete trouncing of a top 25 team. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The win at Alabama proved to be um, the lifeline for Texas because once Alabama beat Georgia, the committee's number one team, um, and the committee was basically anticipating that Oregon was going to beat Washington. That's the way they had been ranking them. So when Oregon goes down 
against the Huskies and Alabama beats Georgia. That opened the door uh, for Texas and the committee said, uh, it's going to be hard to leave a one loss SEC champion out. Alabama just beat our number one team and Texas beat them. So kudos to uh, Chris Del Conte for scheduling that game. Kudos to Steve Sarkeesian and those Texas players for seizing the moment, playing a great game in front of the nation uh, on September 9th at night, not just a win in Tuscaloosa, but at night, 34-24. Um, and, and, and in a lot of ways with big plays and stuff similar to what we saw uh, against, you know, for the Big 12 title against Oklahoma State, two 100-yard receivers, JT Sanders, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy uh, with a bunch of catches and drive extenders. Um, Xavier Worthy injured late in that game, but Steve Sarkeesian feeling confident that Worthy will be ready to go for the Sugar Bowl. And, and so, you know, Texas ends – their um you know regular season and championship weekend on fire gets into the college football playoff and now we'll see um how they prepare 15 practices that's spring football i mean a lot you can do a lot you can change things up you can get guys ready uh you can get guys back from injury and so uh, this is going to be fascinating. And of course, if you look at it, Steve Sarkeesian's been through this at Alabama in 2020 um, when they went all the way, when they won the national championship. He's seen how um, Nick Saban prepares a team for the college football playoff. And so he's been down this road and Kalen DeBoer has not now Kalen DeBoer has a Heisman Trophy finalist at quarterback and 2,000-yard receivers. And Texas has, um, you know, a super talented quarterback and two super talented receivers. This should be a whole lot of fun uh, come January 1st at 7.45 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, live from the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. The last time I was there in 2018, um, things went well for Texas, beating up on Georgia in that game. So um, a lot's been happening since then, Eric, that I want to touch on now. Yeah, um, We've learned that Derek Williams uh, targeting ejection appeal was denied. So Derek Williams... Um, the rising star freshman safety for Texas will have to miss the first half of the Sugar Bowl against Washington. That is not ideal considering he's basically the second highest rated uh, safety on the team behind Jaron Thompson, according to Pro Football Focus. And a guy who just is aggressive and tenacious and a, a guy who's going to be a star and he's not going to be in the game for the first half. Uh, Jeff choked the co-defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach has just accepted the job as the head coach at Nevada. Now he said in his introductory press conference that he will coach uh, with Texas through the college football playoff. I, I don't, I, yeah, yeah. Cause he's got, what early signing day, December 20th, he's trying to get, uh, you know, guys out of the portal. He's trying to get a signing class together. Uh, Texas starts practice on December 15th. Um, I guess that's that. Yeah. Jeff Choate says there's gonna be some long days. It's I can only imagine, but, um, and then Texas has some players who have entered the portal from the Longhorns roster um, Jalen Catalan, uh, Sawyer Gorham Welch, Xavion Bryce, and BJ Allen. So, um, obviously, 
uh, Jalen Catalan getting into the portal. Uh, we all saw him walking off the field at the Big 12 title game. He did not get into the game. Everybody got into the game, Eric. And Jalen Catalan did not get into the game, and he's healthy. That was not a good sign. And sure enough, um, a couple of days later, he's in the transfer portal. So your thoughts on all those subjects. Oh, man, Chip, where do I start? I guess I'll start with, you know, just off top. You said the Caesar Superdome. That still takes a little time for me, right? You know, I, I noticed Mercedes-Benz Superdome. We're going back to when I was a kid. One of the best names of a stadium in sports, Chip. The Louisiana Superdome, right? Caesar Superdome still takes time. Nevertheless, on to important topics. Uh, let's start with Derek Williams. Chip, can I be just honest with you? I still have not seen an angle of that play that chip i mean targeting is this feels me so subjective man and i get it i guess you know the interpretation of however you want to interpret it can be targeting i have not seen an angle of that play to where i feel like man that was egregious right i mean that i think that first and foremost is just kind of what sticks with me i'm, I'm not saying by whatever letter of whatever law it wasn't targeting i'm just saying i i have not and i've watched multiple replays and i have just not seen one that's like all right yeah that's egregious he's got to sit it's like come on you know it's football in a sense but but we'll, we'll take that um aside yeah the chip it's going to play a big a big factor uh, on the field because steve sarkeesian has been adamant that hey there's value in the safety rotation. I know you and I have talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast. And, you know, we've felt, I think you, especially on, you know, Keaton Crawford and, and saying, Hey, you know, why, why the safety rotation? I think I even mentioned the last podcast, if I'm using Steve Sarkeesian's own words, I don't want to say against him, but applying it, it, when he's talked about the receiver rotation, he said, Hey, I need to know that the guys in there, they're the ones who've experienced. They're the, the ones who are experienced. They've made plays. I know that they're going to do the right thing at the right time. And that's why the rotation is so short. Maybe you won't see, you know, a Jonte Cookmore and Isaiah Nea more. Just applying that same logic to safety, it almost feels interesting, for lack of a better word, right? That, that that's what we've seen is a six-man rotation throughout the, the season. With that being said, if, 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 Chip, Sark is true to his word in terms of feeling that there's that much value in needing all of those guys on the field, then yes, Keaton Crawford, Michael, Mookie Taff, and Jaron Thompson, they should be able to get the job done, right? Um, I'm going to put it to you like this, Chip. You obviously saw Jaron Thompson last year. I didn't. Uh, for whatever reason, if you look at the number of snaps he's played, it, it's almost 45% less than what he played last year. But Jaron is still, by the numbers, by Pro Football Focus, the best coverage safety on this team. Michael Taff has been someone who has shown an ability to be in the right spot in the right time. I'm going to you know, uh, hone in, excuse me, on a question that Chip Brown asked Jade Barron in terms of communication, saying, hey, when you got to communicate to different guys, does it make a difference? And Jade even you know, gave Chip Brown his kudos and said, that's a great question. Well, now you don't have that factor, right? It's three guys until Derek Williams in there for the first half. Chip, I'm trying to find a positive out of a negative here and saying, hey, maybe, just maybe, for a half, we get Jaron Thompson, we get Michael Taft, and then Keaton Crawford comes in as needed. You know those are going to be the guys out there. They can get in a rhythm. They can. The communication should be on point. And for a half, if Chip Brown, Steve Sarkeesian, we take him as true as his word, that those guys are as valuable, the safety spot, before we get to the other two um, uh, uh, things he laid out there, just in terms of Derek Williams suspension for a half should be fine. What says you? Well, I, this was, you know, I I'm, I'm ready to say, do you move Jade Barron to, to safety and see if you can have Jalen Gilbo at nickel? Um, or do you move Mo Blackwell into, you know, the, you're probably going to have to have, six DBs on the field anyway. And Mo Blackwell's probably the most suited because he played safety. Um, he's now, of course, a weak side linebacker. Um, but you've, like you said, you've got a month to prepare and everybody knows what's 
what they're up against. They saw this team last year in the Alamo Bowl. They saw Roma Dunze. They saw Jalen Polk. They saw Jalen McMillan. And they got a good look at Michael Penix. So, um, you know, this is going to be a great chess match because um, I thought that Texas pass defense lost confidence as the season went on. And that's not good. Um, You know, the sign of a championship team is week to week improvement. And I think we saw week to week improvement in just about every area, except the pass defense, either that, or they aren't doing a good enough job of teaching zone or their quarters match or, keeping guys in front of them and good God, if Texas tries to pull that against Washington, they'll get eaten alive. Um, So look, Blake Gideon, Terry Joseph coach these guys up because they, they did not look confident uh, against Houston late in the game against K-State late in the game against TCU late in the game. And they've got to be better because everybody is looking at that matchup and saying, uh, hold on to your butts. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, 15 practices, they should be able to survive a half without Derek Williams against the number one passing offense in college football, because, Oh, I don't know. You can, Take some chances with your pass rush. Maybe Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat are able to get penetration against that Washington offensive line and cause some problems up the middle. Um, But I'm definitely taking some chances early with pressure and trying to get Michael Penix off his spot. I am playing my corners up. I want Malik Muhammad up. I want Ryan Watts up. And try to slow them down that split second to get the pass rush home. Because if you're letting Michael Penix, if you're giving receivers a free release and you're not getting to Michael Penix, that's a bad recipe right there for Texas. So they're going to have to take some chances. They're going to have to mix some things up uh, to get pressure on Michael Penix and slow these receivers from getting into what they want to do because free releases spells trouble. Eric. Yeah, Chip, I mean, I listen, I, I agree with you, and it's not any shade at a Ryan Watts or Manny Muhammad, you know, Gavin Holmes, Terrence Brooks. Those are just two really good receivers and a really good passing offense with a really good quarterback. You know, it's it's a lot to ask them to have to contain, because I'm not going to say shut down, but contain those guys without, you know, A, a measure of pressure, and B, having to support on the back end. So no doubt about that. Chip, remind me, we talked to so. Uh, Derek Williams suspension, the transfer portal. What was the third? Jeff Choate. Jeff Choate. All right. So I want to go into Choate for a minute here because you're right. You talked about the fact that there's going to be some long days. I know you watched his press or I watched it as well. He talked about the fact that he, and I, this is the right approach. He said, Hey, you know, my commitment, what I first commitment is to the players at Nevada. He's taken that job, absolutely owes it to them. But he did emphasize that, Hey, you know, in terms of, what he would be missing at Nevada. Well, once he addresses the players and he says he wants to have one-on-one meetings with every player, he used the word, Hey, we're speed dating here. Right? So once he wants to have those one-on-one meetings with the roster at Nevada, he said, those guys are going to be off campus. They're going to go home. So it's not necessarily pertinent for him to, to, you know, not be basically the, the split responsibilities isn't as steep once those guys go home and he's not missing anything there. Now, of course, Chip, as you said, he's got to, put together a coaching staff in today's college football. Yeah. You better be in the portal right now, you know, in this first window. So Jeff Choate's going to have to do that. He's going to have to recruit. He's gonna have to familiarize himself with the folks out there. Yeah. Luckily he's uh, a West coast guy. So he's kind of got some familiarity with the landscape, but that is something he's gonna have to do on that. end. in terms of his responsibilities at Texas, it's going to be all hands on deck. I mean, you talk about it, right? Getting the the pressure. Some of that's going to be, you know, Anthony Hill. Some of that's going to be maybe it's Jalen Ford on, on some blitzes as well. So, and of course, just his responsibilities as, a, as another voice and the coach, the co-defensive coordinator. So we'll be interested to see how that shakes out. I actually tried to go through and look at, you know, guys who have taken jobs, who have been in the CFP 
and where their teams have fallen. Don't have all those numbers crunched yet, Chip, just in time for this podcast. So apologies in advance, but I'm hoping to get that out in the middle of the week as far as coaches, because there, there are some, some precedents, some history of coaches who have taken jobs, whether it's coordinators or position coaches, who've been a part of CFP teams and have had the ability to stay on through the playoff. That aside, just kind of transitioning in terms of the transfer portal, uh, Chip, I want to ask you this, you know, because we'll talk about, you know, if there are any real surprises in the portal, we'll, we'll talk about that and take it or leave it. Two-part question for you, and I guess I should answer it while I, I to give you time to, to process your thoughts. A, was this a success, the Jalen Catalan experiment at Texas? And B, if it wasn't, why wasn't it? So I'm going to give you some time to process your thoughts, formulate how you feel about it. And I, I, I listen, I lean no. And I guess the reason I, I I'm a little hesitant is because part of it was injury, right? I mean, he's a guy who had some, some injury issues at Arkansas and he ended up with the calf and, you know, he got banged up a little bit early in the year. Chip Brown asked Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kutowski many times, you know, well, with PK once, but asked Steve Sarkeesian many times, his cat on a pitch count. And he was emphatically told, no, he's not on a pitch count. And, Maybe that was the case, given the fact that, you know, I guess Texas knew going into the year that they were going to play as many safeties as they did. So, yeah, he wasn't on a pitch count, but he wasn't going to play 50 snaps a game either. Um, and maybe, you know, Texas knew something that we didn't, right, in terms of could this guy hold up? You know, and, and, and listen, I he's a college kid. I don't want to call him fragile or anything like that, but he's just had a rough go in his college career of being injured. So with that being said, was it a success? There were some times that Jalen Catalan was a liability in pass coverage. I feel like we knew that. And then I think Texas accordingly just used him as a guy who was going to come down and smack you and play the run. And I do think, Chip, the reason I hesitate is because I felt like Jalen Catalan, when he was on the field and what he was asked to do, he did adequately. It just wasn't enough of it, right? And, and that's the thing that I think it, it kind of leaves you feeling, you know, a little empty bellied, right? Like there's something more there. So uh, Chip, yeah, when it comes to you know, the players on the poor, of course, we'll talk about uh, them a little bit more as far as were there any surprises, but with Jalen Catalan, I guess the way it ended, considering what we saw out there in fall practice, the guy was flying around vocal, looked like the guy could be an all SEC who, who looked like he was the all SEC guy from Arkansas, just felt like we didn't get all of it and how much of that is his fault i don't know but yeah at least you feel a little bit empty chip yeah i mean if you look at the pro football focus numbers he was the fourth rated safety on the team behind jaron thompson Derek williams and michael taff um his pro football focus numbers are not they're not good i mean grade of 61 a grade of 70 is considered uh, above average. So, um, yeah, he played, played big snaps against Alabama. Um, Jaron Thompson played 62. Keaton Crawford played 38 and Jalen Catalan played 32 snaps in the game against Alabama. And Catalan played 34 snaps in the game against Wyoming. And, and then, his uh, his numbers started to drop until the OU game where he plays only eight snaps and then he's out for four games. And that was the stretch where Michael Taff had three straight games with an interception and was starting to, you know, one of those was an interception in the end zone against Houston that was critical because Houston was on a roll at that point. And, and so look, you know, did he get Wally pipped? Did, was there a communication breakdown between Catalan and Blake Gideon? Um, you know, it, it, the truth is in there somewhere, but, um, he's in the, he's in the portal now. And it was not what I thought it was going to be. I thought he was going to come in and be Bob Sanders, 2.0 a missile flying all over the place a la Kenny Vaccaro or Quandre Diggs and 
we just didn't see that. And um, I, I've not been impressed with the safety play all year. I think Blake Gideon, I'd like to talk to Blake Gideon, honestly, because um, his position group to me has not gotten better. Um, Michael Taft, great. You know, he's he's had a you know three interceptions and or interceptions in three straight games. Um, but Michael Taft's overall rating, you know, 64.4, uh, the only safety over a 70, according to Pro Football Focus, for their overall uh, grade right now is Jaron Thompson, and he's had issues. He's not a great tackling um, safety. So it, 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 we've been talking about this all season, Eric, that you know, if Texas could combine some of these guys, they'd have a complete safety. They don't quite have that, you know, Jaron Thompson, good in coverage, Derek Williams, really good tackler. Um, and, um, you know, Taff good at everything, not outstanding at anything. And Keaton Crawford, um, you know, his, his highest grade and, from PFF is for his pass rushing, if you can believe that. But he had that spectacular interception against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. So, look, you make plays, you gain confidence, and you coach them up. So this is obviously going to be a hot topic for us uh, leading up to the Sugar Bowl. And um, and so we'll, we'll leave it there for now. But um, – Eric, the only other nugget we'll get to before we get to take it or leave it is the announcement today that uh, Texas and Oklahoma will continue to play at the Cotton Bowl through 2036. And Longhorn Nation, you're finally getting some improvements to the concourse of the Cotton Bowl. Bathrooms, concessions. It's not going to look like the Acropolis from Greece um, circa BC anymore. Hopefully not. Um, Because there have been some fall Saturdays in that venerable stadium where bathroom pipes burst and disaster. I had so many guys' wives say, I'm never going back to that godforsaken dump again. Um, So... Hey, Texas, Oklahoma using their SEC uh, leverage to get the State Fair of Texas to put some money into the into the Cotton Bowl. Everything else about that game is fantastic. The concourse, the bathrooms, the concessions all needed massive upgrades. So um, this will not affect the game, even though the renovations will continue and be completed sometime in 25 those renovations are primarily going to be to the concourse and the outside, uh, not affecting seats, butts and seats and that kind of thing. So the game will go on. All right, Eric. You, Chip, really uh, quick, really quick. I just, just, just want to throw a quick addition on to, to your very good points there on the Cotton Bowl. I will say this um, with my first experience, I, I and this could be, Hopefully it's come off as pretentious media member, but luckily the first lady of horns 24 seven, who's now gone to bigger and better things. Miss Taylor Estes warned me about the Wi-Fi, So I, I brought some connection, you know, I brought an ethernet cable. So I was working, but as you see by the face, the chip round is making, there were a lot of panic sports writers were wondering why can't do they refreshing every five minutes. So hopefully, that is part of the uh, additions. And I'll say this, um, maybe, just maybe, and listen, phenomenal rivalry. You asked me after that game my thoughts on the, uh, the Red River shootout, and I said, hey, one of the most amazing experiences I've had in my eight-year career of covering college football. Uh, a little more direct route to where the media post game would be would be nice because when you gotta sneak out of there and you and, and you, you go through uh you know the, uh, uh, a litany of fans. Yeah, the Oklahoma end of the Cotton Bowl. The Oklahoma end. Thank you, Chip. Um, during an Oklahoma win, it can be a a a, a venture. Put it to you that way. That's the word I'll use. So, just wanted to throw that out there before you uh you transition, Chip. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad that it's staying right where it is. Um, that, that series never needs to go anywhere else. So, um, all right, we will uh, take a quick break and come back with some take it or leave it here on this, uh, edition of the flagship podcast as we start counting down to the Sugar Bowl appearance of the Texas Longhorns against the Washington Huskies in the college football playoff semifinals. Don't go anywhere. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And if you're watching us on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, we will roll on. All right, Eric, it is time for some take it or leave it. Do you want to... Give us an update on how things went from last week. Absolutely. Chip Brown, whoop my behind. And hey, you know what? He's the vet. I, I have no problem being the rookie. I got to learn from the old pro. He is 2-0-1 as far as last week. And just for a refresher, the topics last week were holding Ali Gordon to under 100 yards. Both of us said that that would happen. We took it. That did happen. The second was the Outland Trophy, and we goofed a little bit. The Outland Trophy hasn't been announced. But, hey, if technically we want to say Tavondre Sweat, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, we could slide that in there. But, no, uh, that'll be a push. Um, and then the last one, which was Texas makes the college football playoff, and Chip Brown is infinite wisdom. Got that correct? I did not. So uh, 2 0-1 from last week for Chip Brown, 1-1-1 for me. And I believe it is batter up for you first, Chip Brown. So I will – Pass it your way. Okay. All right, Eric. The month off for the uh, before the Sugar Bowl college football playoff semifinal against Washington comes at a bad time for Texas because the team is playing its best football right now. Take it or leave it. Chip, I am not ready to say whether or not this is going to affect the outcome of the game. But I'm taking it, man. I mean, the the only thing is we saw at the end of that game, Xavier Worthy got banged up. And because of that, it's like, all right, well, we want him healthy. So, yeah. But outside of that, Chip, the last couple, Iowa State into Texas Tech into Oklahoma State, it finally felt like things were coming together as far as the most complete football. We saw Quinn Ewers playing great football the receivers, offensive line. I mean, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy have been men possessed. I want to, whatever energy that is, you know, Michael Penix being a Tampa guy, my fellow Tampa native, say something bad about, <laughs> about Texas. We want that energy that they had going in, right? Someone goof up. 
from Washington because that energy that those guys had in the middle, oh man, it just it felt like everything was coming together at the right time. So yes, I, I do think it's coming at a bad time because just the confidence, the the, the swagger that this team was playing with was real chip and 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 i i have to think knock on wood maybe we have a, a slow starting texas team because they just it's it's coming at a bad time what says you okay i am going to i'm going to leave this because of what uh you just said well two things xavier worthy and ryan watts getting healthy uh, Ryan Watts with the back injury suffered against Texas Tech. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian saying he believes that both Worthy and Watts will be uh, back and good to go for the Sugar Bowl. Um, Texas needs Ryan Watts on the field in this game. And the other reason I'm leaving it, Eric, is this was a t- the Big 12 title game was a tough game for Jade Barron. Like the pass defense it's like they've taken turns kind of struggling and this, this is bothersome um, to me because it's become a bit glaring. I mean, the Oklahoma state had some big plays. They got Texas, I think on the exact same passing play for touchdowns um, into two different players to Brennan Presley and to Rashad uh, Owens. But, I think this month off is much needed for this Texas pass defense to get itself together, to get the, I mean, get these players coached up and confident. Um, You know, at this time last year, I thought Quinn Ewers had been up and down, you know, the Oklahoma state game, not good. K-State game, first half, good. Um, But it was, you know, kind of TCU game, terrible. And I felt like he came through those bowl practices with a renewed sense of confidence. Thought he played well against Washington. And now I'm looking at this past defense and saying, okay, these guys need these 15 practices to get their mojo back and, you know, be the team that made life difficult for Jalen Milrow Anthony Hill getting those third down sacks, um, you know, and the, the, you know, interception by Jaron Thompson and, and just, uh, I just think they need to get their mojo back. So that was a very long winded answer to say, I'm going to leave it. Here we go, Eric. All right. So now you're throwing to me, huh? I think I am throwing to you here, Chip. Uh, at first glance, you think the Sugar Bowl will go over a total of 63 and a half points, which for our listeners is the early line. Take it or leave it. Yeah, see, I'm kind of uh, like my prisoner of the moment uh, says, oh, take it. This is going to be. A, uh, a shootout probably on par with their games with Oregon, like 36, 33. Um, and then I look at, you know, the games Washington has played and, you know, every, every once in a while, the Arizona state game, 15 to seven, the Oregon state game, 22 to 20, the Washington state game, 24, 21. Is that what we're, we're looking at here? And in my opinion, the, and last year's game, 27, 20, in my opinion, the Texas defense is going to get it together. And this is not going to go over the total of 63 and a half because I think Texas's defense is going to keep this game either, you know, 33 30 or lower, Eric. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave this. I do, I do not think it goes over the total of 63 and a half. What say you? 
This has been a tough one because I look at Washington's offense and 11th in the nation in points per game, about 37, just above Texas. It was at that 36-ish mark. Of course, I'm a little biased. As I said, Michael Penix uh, went to Tampa Bay Tech High School. Actually, the high school I should have gone to in my zone, the neighborhood, by my mom sent me to Catholic school. Another story for another time, different podcast. Nevertheless, uh, being in the neighborhood, all the kids <laughs> had fun with me for, you know, ditching out in the local high school. Anyhow, uh, I'm saying all that is to say, like, I've been a huge fan of Michael Penick's game for a while, right? And I, I think he's a tremendous quarterback. And Chip, I mean, you can make the argument that in terms of offense, this is the most resembling of a player chip that Texas defense is going to see since Dylan Gabriel, someone who can use his legs move the pocket, escape, and is proficient as a passer, right? You know, we're not talking about someone who's like, yeah, they use their legs, but, you know, and that can't really throw. It's the real deal. With that being said, I'm going to come down to the Texas defense that I've seen all year. And, yes, the back end having some issues, but I don't think Washington has seen a front end like Texas is. So with that, I am going to leave it. I do think Texas's defense will find a way. I, I just can't see, Chip especially with the way this front four has been inspired since the Oklahoma game, another team finding 37, 38 points against the horns. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Take it or leave it. Number three, Eric, none of the Texas players in the transfer portal so far. And those names are Sawyer, Gorham, Welch, Jalen Catalan, BJ Allen, and Xavion Bryce, full disclosure, we're recording on Wednesday uh, about 5 o'clock. So these are the names of the players in the transfer portal so far. None of them are a surprise. Take it or leave it. I'm leaving it, Chip, because Catalan did surprise me, if for nothing else, the timing. And, and I don't... I don't want to make this seem as if this is any indictment or character flaw on Jalen Catalan. I want to state that for the record, because I have, from the moment, Chip, the portal's been a thing, and the moment that NIL's been a thing, but in this case, specifically the portal, I have been pro-player. I've been pro their ability to move as they see fit. I guess what surprised me the most, Chip, is that, and you kind of hinted at it, there's no role for Jalen Catalan these last potentially two games in, in, in a college football playoff. I think that goes both ways. I, I just felt like for whatever the season has been for cat, if he were on the field and again, maybe he wasn't going to be on the field and maybe that's what makes the difference, but if we were going to be on the field one or two Jalen Catalan, like game changing hits that, that you see in, that puts him back on the radar. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's that guy. So I guess that's what surprised me more than anything else, Chip. So uh, I'm leaving it in that. Yes. It, 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 this timing for Jalen Catalan did surprise me. Um, so I agree with you to me, Jalen Catalan isn't part of the reason he transferred was to win, to get on a winning team, a team that could win a championship, a team that could go to the college football playoff. Like you're a grad, you're going to, you're transferring as a grad transfer. There is another window in May. So how bad did things get Yep. to where Jalen Catalan is like, I'm out. Uh, I'm yeah. So yeah, I I was I was surprised by the timing. Um and I get it wasn't like we talked about the grades and the the numbers, but we did see him pulverize Jason Bean and uh enforce a fumble, unfortunately, that caromed right into the hands of Daniel Hyshaw, who ran it in for a 20 yard touchdown. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I had fantasies of Jalen Catalan lighting people up all over the field 
was so excited about he and A.D. Mitchell this year. Those were my transfer portal highlight reels, and A.D. Mitchell has absolutely uh, delivered, but I don't know what happened with the Jalen Catalan situation. So, yeah, if we're going to say none of the players in the portal are a surprise, I'm going to leave it because um, the timing and – you know, the fact that Derek Williams is out for the first half and you can't figure out a, a way to, you know, incorporate a former all-SEC player into uh, your your past defense. It's, it's surprising. Um, all right. We will have so much more. We've got tons of content over at horns247.com that we haven't even touched on in this podcast. Eric's pumping out story after story. Um, I'm pumping out story after story. Wrote a story today about Anthony Hill Jr., who led the team in tackles in that Big 12 title game, forced to fumble, uh, comparing his numbers to DeMarvian Overshone's numbers from a year ago. And you might be surprised at... uh, the similarities between the two, um, you know, we've got content galore for you. So get over to horns247.com. That's where, that's where we'll be. So thanks for watching, listening to this episode of the flagship podcast. As we count down to the sugar bowl for Eric Henry, I am chip Brown till next time. We'll see you over at horns. 247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.